Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus with producer Sanaa Marie. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. This is Cynthia Daniels, Chief Event Strategist of Cynthia Daniels and Company, and I'm on Verbally Effective podcast with Ina Esco. This is I Make Mad Beats, CEO and founder of Unapologetic. I'm here with Ina Esco on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Right Height Corporation is having a drive through career fair Tuesday, May 25th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Right Height is located at 601 Expressway Drive in Horn Lake, Mississippi. Open positions include welders, assemblers, painters, and forklift operators. Please bring copies of your resume for on-the-spot interviews. On-the-spot welding tests for welders, so please bring welding hood and safety glasses. For more information, contact Shayna Dosher, that's L-D-O-C-H-E-R, at rightheight.com, or call 662-548-2628 or 662-622-2454. Carmion Hamilton is a Memphis-based interior designer, content creator, and lifestyle blogger spearheading her brand, Newbie Interiors. Her 15 years of experience in multiple facets of the design industry, from public health care to residential to retail and merchandising, is the foundation of her work in discovering the beauty in all things and helping others find beauty in what surrounds them every day. Her work, story, and content around design, business, and branding, and elevating the everyday are featured and referenced in Architectural Digest, Southern Living, Essence, Domino, and more. She's often asked to share her insights and opinions by way of podcast interviews or panel discussions with major industry associations, such as Pop Sugar and Ballard Designs, and recently Verbally Effective. And when she isn't hosting a workshop on social media management, or creating content for Fortune 100 brand partners, she's doting on her husband Marcus, son Davin, and her jungle of houseplants. Verbally effective, your double E, Ina Esco here. Thank you guys so much for joining me yet again for another episode of the Verbally Effective Podcast. You know, I talk to so many movers and shakers out here in the Mid-South, and I have an extremely talented young lady on the pod with me today. I'm very excited that she is joining me. Her name is Carmion Hamilton, and she is an interior designer, a lifestyle blogger. Let me tell you guys, I had watched a video of her organizing her shoe closet. It was <laughs> fed up. 
I was totally inspired, but I think I need some one-on-one attention from Carmion. Now, she is HGTV's design star, next-gen winner. We're going to get into all of those wonderful deets. Carmion, how are you today, beautiful? Hi, Ina. I'm great. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know, the weather is warming up, people getting outside. How is that working out for you? You know, I wish I could see outside a little bit more, but, you know, getting ready to shoot a new show is keeping me busy and tons of Zoom calls and meetings right now. So I'm glad the weekend is approaching so I can get out and enjoy this weather. Yes, you got to get that business straight, though. I understand. (laughs) I understand. You know, the life of an entrepreneur and, you know, TV going on. So we're going to jump all into that, Carmion. But let's start at the beginning. Where are you originally from? I am originally from right across the bridge, West Memphis, Arkansas. It's where I was born and raised. Yes. Now tell me about growing up in West Memphis, because that's just, you know, a stone's throw away from Memphis, over that bridge that's cracked. That's cracked and shut down. (laughs) (laughs) Not the old one, the new one. The new one. Okay. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes, it is a stone's throw away, even though a lot of people in Memphis try to disown West Memphis. I mean, I need y'all to get over it because we are... One, we're only separated by a little bit of water. Um, but growing up in West Memphis, you know, was very like we only came to Memphis to go out to eat and go to the mall. So I didn't have a connection to Memphis until I actually moved here with my family nine years ago. But growing up wow. over there, I was I was a straight A student from kindergarten through high school. I played basketball, um, was on okay. the state championship team got basketball scholarships to college, but turned them down because I also got academic scholarships. And I wanted to live, you know, I grew up and followed the rules my whole life, never got in trouble. And I was like, I'm going to college. Like, I want to know what college is like. I didn't want to be tied down to a basketball team. I wanted to know what spring break was like and Christmas break and summer break. So I went on an academic scholarship to the University of Central Arkansas, where I majored in physical therapy for two years. Um, Why physical therapy? Why physical therapy? Well, being, well, one, my parents were like, you go to school, you get a good degree, and you get a good job. And physical therapists, you know, they come straight out of their program, making almost six figures. I'm like, it's a lot more lucrative than a kinesiology (laughs) major. Right or thinking I'm going to be some sports trainer. I'm like, no, if I'm going to do this, let me broaden it. And physical therapy was the way to go. And that's actually why I chose UCA because of their physical therapy program. They were the top physical therapy program in the South at that time and probably still is. I'm not sure. Um, But I got there, you know, did four semesters, took on way too many hours and I went from being a straight A student to like an ABC student and was like, Mm-mm, yeah, this ain't it. I don't, yeah. don't want to do this and realize I just don't like science like that. And I was like, I can't study this two more years, but Ooh. became a resident assistant after losing my scholarship because there was a D in there somewhere. 
in wow. like a chemistry or something. But that was when I took on 21 hours in one semester. Like I overdid it. I was yeah. an overachiever. I don't see how you did it in 21 hours. Well, you couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. <laughs> um, so in losing my scholarship to make up for that money lost, I became a resident assistant where, you know, they pay for your room and board and things like that. And that was the first time I had my own space. I had my own dorm room in one of the dorms on campus and I got to decorate it any way that I wanted to. And with the help of my mom and one of my mom's friends who was a seamstress, like I got custom curtains made and custom bedding. My room was hot pink and zebra at the time. <laughs> Which was hot back in like 2008, but yeah. I'm not trying to remember. I remember it that. Soon. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> wow. But I rearranged the room, the space planning. I just created this tiny little loft studio apartment in this 12 by 12 center block wall room. And so one of the fellow one of my fellow RAs walked in and was like, you really need to figure out what you're doing with your life. You need to check out the interior design program. I didn't even know our school had one. Mm -hmm. um, they were newly accredited the year before. And so I checked it out the next day and immediately changed my major. Um, wow. So I changed from physical therapy to interior design. And now I have a Bachelor of Science in interior design. <laughs> Amazing. Now, wait a minute. So it wasn't until you became an RA and you designed your room that's when it really kicked in for you Carmion or, or like you know your room at the house wasn't nothing like that so I my parents gave me the freedom to create space in my own room I had one of my friends who was an artist uh the, the point of her coming over was to paint a mural in my room but we played around way too long and it never finished but I had vision for it mm -hmm. but even then I didn't know there was a career in interior yeah. design I didn't know that was a job like my mom created a beautiful home and she helped out a lot of her friends but I thought it was something you just did for fun she was very fashionable so I just thought that translated into home decor right. but never in life did I think it was a profession until I was in college I had no wow. idea Amazing. Now, you know, I know you said you had the scholarship. You were, you know, physical therapy major. Were your parents a little disappointed at the change? Oh, honey. Oh, <laughs> honey. Now, you honey. know you've grown at this point, but you know Ooh. how parents can be. Good and grown. And I'm like, okay, I have these loans in my name now. But when I told when I told my mom, she was just like, oh, okay, that's that's cool. My mom was an educator. Okay. And my dad worked for Conwood um, here in Memphis for, he actually retired there. He worked there for 28 years, but he was very strict about my sisters and I making good grades and getting a good job. And good job was doctor, lawyer, accountant, like yeah. everything that we're taught. And so when I told him that I was switching my major to, I mean, to interior design, <laughs> I could have told him that I was majoring in coloring books. Like he was so oh. upset set he immediately just went off and was like you're never gonna make any money there that's not even a real job like he he didn't know that interior design was a profession too so he thought I was wasting time in college wasting money majoring in something that wasn't a a real job or a lucrative career yeah. um so yeah I took that chastising for weeks yeah. um but 
told myself I'm going to prove him wrong. I actually graduated college early. I finished okay. fully three and a half years. Thanks to taking those 21 <laughs> hours amen, amen. in the beginning. <laughs> so I finished school early okay. um, and actually was offered my first job a semester before I graduated. I had a senior seminar class where we were presenting to our professor these presentations and she had just so happened to invite one of her colleagues who was the VP of an interior design department for a healthcare company Mm -hmm. to help her judge our presentations. I was the only one in class with a final presentation, completed presentation, Mm -hmm. and her colleague offered me a job on the spot. And I was like, well, I still have a semester left of class. And she said, I'll hold it open for you. And she did. Amazing. Carmion. Oh my God. I mean, (laughs) this was like totally meant for you. Everything lined up. Sounds like everything from from becoming an RA to today, everything has just completely fallen in line. That is legit how my career has gone over the past 15 years. Wow. Amazing. I did hear you mention your sisters. Tell me about you and your sisters. Are you guys close? How many do you have? I have two sisters. Um, My older sister is my dad's daughter from a previous relationship. Um, And then my younger sister, my parents are both my parents and I. So I grew up in the house with my younger sister and but lived with my older sister when I was in college. So, yes, we're all very close. We don't talk often. We're that weird family that's like we call each other when something's wrong or if it's been too long. Those those people but they are my absolute favorite people to be with. They make, we have the most fun together. Um, I am the middle child and am middle child to the core. Like I'm a Libra. I can be, yes. (laughs) Loved by many, I like to say. (laughs) That's true. That's true. That's true. Wow. Um, but little sister is a Virgo and Ooh. older sister, yes, yes, and she Virgo, is huh? one to the core. So yeah, uh, she's the city girl of the group. And then my older sister, she's the more conservative and reserved one. And I can be either or depending on what's happening, but I love yeah. my sisters and they are two beautiful souls and I'll probably call them today just to mess with them. <laughs> wow. It sounds like you have a very close-knit family. Um, you know, I heard you mention as well that all throughout high school you played basketball, but that's mm-hmm. not what you chose to continue to do in college. Do you still pick up a basketball, Carmia? Today, I don't. You know, I, I in sixth grade, right before going to junior high, I just knew I was going to be a cheerleader because I was, in, I was a gymnast in elementary school. I just knew I was going to be a cheerleader. And I found out you couldn't be a cheerleader in seventh grade. And so (laughs) the basketball team came recruiting the sixth graders. And I told them, I'm not going to be a basketball player. I'm going to be a cheerleader. And they were like, well, you can't be one in the seventh grade anyway. So just play basketball. And I had never picked up a basketball before then, but tried out and immediately made the varsity team in seventh grade. Mm. Um, just naturally, you was cold. I I was cold. <laughs> I bet you was. I bet you was. So seventh grade through tenth grade, like eleventh grade year, I was. I got the six man award. I got to go to the all star game as the the six man. Like eleventh graders don't get to go to the all star game. It's for seniors, but mm-hmm. I got to go. We won a state championship that year. I was team captain my senior year and 
the scholarships came, but I never had a heart for it. My heart was yeah. never in it. It was just the talent. Like I have the talent, but this is not what I want to do with my whole life. And yeah. so thankfully I had the grades to have an option um, when it came to college. Yeah, it's always great that you have those grades to get that academic scholarship because I, I was the same way, Carmion. I, I was straight volleyball. I did volleyball in college my first two years, but it was a dual scholarship, so sports and um, academic. And then I pledged. I was like, you know what? I'm not playing volleyball no more. Like, <laughs> let me keep my grades up and like have some fun, right? Because that's a big commitment in it college. Is. NCAA rules. Oh lord, the travel. It is. And my best friends were seniors my 11th grade year. So I got to see them go off and they never got to come home. They didn't get to come back and see, like, I never saw my friends again. And that's what really turns me off. Like my best friends are gone. They're playing basketball at the collegiate level, but I will never see them until they graduate unless I go to their games. And I said, if I play, then I will totally never see them again. And so I, they complained about not being able to have a spring break because basketball consumes every break yeah. of the year. You yeah. get a couple weeks in the summer, but you don't get Christmas break, spring break, none of that. So it's like, no, nah, I'm not about that life. I don't no want it. Life. I don't want wow. it. Yeah. Well, you made all the right decisions, Carmion. Let's talk about <laughs> once you graduated from college and you had this job already lined up for you. Tell me about how it was entering into that entire, at this point, professional interior world as a Black woman. Let's talk about that. It was even more surreal as a Black woman. So I moved from Conway, Little Rock area, to Fort Smith and worked for this huge healthcare company. The building, it was like the biggest building in Fort Smith. Um, and I think there were about a thousand employees in the building, but I only remember seeing three black people in that mm-hmm. whole building and they were three black women and I came in as the third. Um, so I'm in this corporate space. It was a healthcare company. So everybody in this building did something different related to this healthcare company. It was a company that owned, um, about 300 facilities across the country from hospitals, nursing homes, assisted living, physical therapy clinics. Um, And they had an internal interior design department and that's the department that I was part of. And so I was a part of taking on 10 to 15 projects at a time and renovating these buildings. And I got to travel all across the country to these buildings, Mm -hmm. trying to improve their looks and, and, you know, better the lives of the people that had to be in those spaces. Um, but I was introduced to so much more than just the world of interior design. I was partnered with a a project manager who I had to travel with all the time. And he was this older white man. He was probably 65 at the time, but he made it a point to show me life and not just work. So when we had to travel to Napa, he made sure we got to eat at the very fancy restaurants and if our project was outside of dc he made sure we drove through dc to see the cherry blossoms blooming so he made sure that i got to experience all of these other things outside of work um but also seeing this you know apparently this little black girl that's never been anywhere he made it his point to show me so much more than just what it was like to be an interior designer working for this company and I did that for four and a half years um, and hit 
48 states in those four and a half years. It was the best job I could have ever had, especially coming straight out of college. I learned so much. And, you know, after a while, I still never saw Black people in the circles that I was in, especially not working in interiors, maybe the construction part, but never not in project management or architecture or interior design. So I was always one of few and never, it never really dawned on me until probably recent years in the last three or four years where I've moved from commercial design and healthcare to retail where I have to go to market and I'm the buyer of a furniture store buying for four locations and I have to go to market and I get to see all these things before they hit the masses. But mm-hmm. I'm one of few at market and there's thousands of buyers and designers that go to market every year. And there's still very few black people at those markets and just the one-on-one interactions with people there were depending on how I wore my hair, they may not remember me from Mm -hmm. seeing them six months before. I'm like, I'm having to reintroduce myself all the time. And then being the, I don't even know, like the show pony, especially when I had my loose natural hair Mm -hmm. and I would wear my hair in a fro just because that's what I (laughs) did naturally. But being the fascination of all of these non-Black people in spaces like market, like it was a true turnoff. And that's when I became more aware of how few of us there are in the interior design industry in all aspects of the industry. Wow. Yes. Because, you know, honestly, like, you know, until like, I guess maybe a lot of um, reality TV with interior Mm -hmm. design, but you see the same people, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not a lot of us that are represented. And I looked up some statistics and in the interior design world, it's basically that space is 85% white, right? Yep. 2% African-American. So you are a part of that 2%. And I just heard what you said, you know, going to market, seeing design, seeing everything before they hit the market. That has to truly be an experience, but being the only black person or one of very few, few. you know, how does that make you feel, Carmion? You know, I in the beginning, ha- having been the only person of color in a room, it it became something I was numb to. Like, I didn't even notice it for a long time because I got so used to just being the only. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as you, one, as I became more aware of my own historical background, like doing my genetic testing and finding out that I'm, you know, Nigerian and also becoming more culturally aware as an adult because we're not taught Black history in public school at all. But over the last five years, just becoming more aware of Black culture and historical importance of our positioning just in this society, it became more and more aggravating to be a part of these spaces and not see more of me. And then you begin to realize how we've been othered and excluded from this industry. It's hard to be an interior designer when you haven't had access to buying a home. Like you can't decorate something that's not yours or you don't feel, you know, uh, responsible for the spaces when you're in them if they're not yours if you don't own them 
So it's hard to treat interior design as a profession when you don't see people that even own homes um, that look like you. So, or, or spaces in general, not even just homes, thinking about public spaces, if they're interior designers behind every space that we go into. Yes. And if you don't see or experience Black people, Black people don't see themselves in those spaces. So it, it creates this vicious cycle. If I can't see myself in it, I don't know anything about it. Therefore, I'm not a part of it. And that's why there's so few of us in the interior design space, especially we never see ourselves in it. Like you said, on TV, we yeah. don't see ourselves on these huge design networks. Right. Um, so we don't know it's even a possibility for us. You don't even realize it's a career. Wow, interesting. But, you know, I, I see you are saying steadfast in your mission and in your goals. Carry on. Okay, <laughs> that's, what, that's what I love about you, too. I mean, like, just watching your social media is, like I said, inspiration within itself. Um, let's talk about what, okay. I know you're from West Memphis, um, but I, I also know that you network with a lot of the uh, people in this space that I probably even had on Verbally Effective. Mm -hmm. You all are connected. Several. Um, <laughs> what does that community look like in this area? What does the interior design um, space look like in this region? You know, Interior design is still very white in this region. Um, I wasn't truly a part of the interior design space here until I worked for, I started to work for Stash Home, who's a furniture retailer that's no longer with us. They went out of business last year. Um, but I worked for Stash Home. They worked with lots of designers. Lots of designers would come in. Um, but there were very few Black people shopping that store at the time anyway. Um, so that was another space where the interior designers that came in were these, they were mostly white men and women, or actually they were all white men and women, um, and working with stashes who sent me to market and where I noticed uh, the elitism there. But I partnered with Arts Memphis, an arts organization here who puts on art by design every year, which is a showcase of interior designers and I got to participate in 2018 and I was the first black interior designer to participate in art by design so mm -hmm. that was my true introduction to the interior design world here um, and being the only participant that was black like meeting the other designers that was incredibly eye-opening to me just to see how these people even just ran their businesses. Like I came in, uh, Stash sponsored me, so they gave me the product to put in my space because even participating in Art by Design, like you have to pay to participate because it's a fundraiser, you pay to participate and then you have to fund the space that you create and all that good stuff. So if I didn't have a sponsor, there's no way I could have participated. I was sponsored, someone sponsored my admission fee and then Stash gave me the furniture to use but then I had to rent the truck to get it to the space. I had to unload the truck myself, set up my space myself. But then I walk in and I see these teams, these designers that have warehouse delivery companies that bring their stuff in. They just stand back and point and everything gets hung up for them. And I'm over here sweating and dying and breaking my back. <laughs> and like, <laughs> <laughs> <But> oh, <laughs> you 
of it all, but it's just just so much that I didn't know until that moment. Like I had no idea that these companies existed just to house the product that interior designers use, that they deliver it, they come hang it up for you, they take it down, put it up, like just so much that you don't know until you're inside the circles of these groups. And so I use that as an opportunity to one network with these fellow designers to find out more of what I didn't know. But after that show, I went back to Arts Memphis and went like, this is a great idea that you guys have, but you're never going to have Black designers be a part of it if this is the the setup. Like if they have to pay to participate, they also have to fund their space. So I actually was hired by Arts Memphis um, in 2019 to be the designer liaison to help figure out how they could reformat art by design to increase Black participation. Because I'm like, you can't have something in Memphis and have no Black people there. Like, right. it's, it's just, it's just not, <laughs> it's, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. Not at all. I created a platform under them called the the Emerging Designers Initiative, where their spots were sponsored. We got sponsors to help contribute to their spaces. So they uh, got furniture and wallpaper and rugs or whatever they needed to make their spaces come to life. And so that's where, you know, Quita Tate and David Quarles and Brandon James or Jones, like all of these emerging designers that now have a chance to showcase their work to the city and give them a chance to see the things that I saw. Um, Unfortunately, Art by Design didn't happen because COVID happened, right? (laughs) Like two months before Art by Design was supposed to happen. So they they didn't get their shot, but I brought them in and made sure that they were seen and got to network with all of these other incredible designers who were established and had these networks. And so I made it my mission to put everyone that followed me up on game, the same game that I got. Um, I wanted to, you know, ease the path for them so that they didn't have to go through the same struggles that I had over the, you know, previous 10, 12 years. So now the interior design community is, I feel now that I'm much more immersed in it and have brought in more people with me, this, the community here, like it's still very underground. A lot of people don't make Memphis synonymous with interior design, but we have some of the coolest Mm -hmm. people here and some of the most creative people here. Like you, you walk into places like Arrive and the Memphian now, and you'll know that a Memphis interior designer was behind all of these spaces. Um, So yeah, some of the, your favorite places to be a Memphis designer created that space. Um, so yeah, I love, I love the community now, but I'm also part of the blogging community. I've been a blogger for as long as I've been a designer, but that's how I met Kim Thomas, who's now my photographer and working with her led to all of these vast relationships that I have with other bloggers and other businesses here. And it's truly, those are the relationships that feed my soul and my creativity and that keep me pushing forward to wanting to showcase everything that Memphis has to offer. Yes. And, and, and are you, do you think that you are satisfied with the changes 
that are going on now after, you know, all of your experience, everything you introduced to Arts Memphis? Um, are you satisfied with the changes or is there a lot more work to be done? There's absolutely more work to be done because we are not in any leadership position in any of these spaces. So we are now, you know, seen at the events. We're part of the clubs, but we still have no say in how things are moving forward. Um, so there's still a ton of work to be done. I'm, I'm glad that there's now uh, a little bit more awareness of how things can be very elitist or segregated, um, but there's still, there's absolutely more work to be done. There's, there's no satisfaction. There's, there's some appreciation, but satisfaction, not yet. Yeah. And do you think that's only going on in this area or is this something that you think is going on for African-Americans? Like oh, this is everywhere. This Ooh. is everywhere. And, and uh, Memphis actually has it good um, because really? of our African-American population. Like there's so many of us here. We get to have a voice. Um, and but everywhere else, when, you know, the African-American population is 13 percent the way it is average across this country, they don't get heard. And so yeah. those areas don't think they have a problem. Um, so yeah, we still, Memphis, Memphis is much further than most, um, I will say, but it is still absolutely a, a worldwide problem. Wow. Now I heard you mention blogging. Uh, you've been blogging as long as you've been designing. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about your blog world. Um, you being a content creator. Uh -huh. Let me start this off. <laughs> Have you always been so sharing? Have you always been comfortable sharing? To the Absolutely. My, my blog, <laughs> my blog started with me talking about my relationship with my husband um, because the T is like, we, we met in college. <laughs> we, uh, I was pregnant with my son almost immediately after accepting that new job. Like, and we were long distance, we got engaged, but I called off the wedding. And so everyone that knew us was trying to figure out what happened. We thought we were coming to this wedding and then there's not a wedding. So I, I wrote about it. I blogged about the whole thing. So I've been sharing my whole, my whole life's existence since post-college. And so, and my mom always taught me, like, if you, if you, no one can shame you about what you share openly. Like, I have no reason to be embarrassed. I can't, I'm not ashamed of anything that's happened to me that I've done. Um, you know, losing my scholarship, being sued by a client, like, I'm not embarrassed by any of those things. They're lessons that have pushed me forward. And so being able to share that only makes me more human and opens the door for other people to feel better about their shortcomings and just realize that they're human. So no, I've, I've been an open book since the beginning. <laughs> yes. and you know, I noticed that you're very comfortable um, doing your, your posts, like you're a natural, like you've been doing this for a long time though, for right? For a minute, for, <laughs> for a minute. Wow. Okay. Let's talk about HGTV's design star, next gen winner. Tell me all about this entire world with this HGTV design star. What is going on? What's, Sam, give me the T. What's the D? What's the going on? T. Okay. So <laughs> um, uh, last year, you know, I, when 
COVID hit, that was the first time I made my business virtual. Um, and so my business grew, like my business tripled in a matter of 30 days. Like once I decided to take my business virtual, but right before that, I got a casting message from a casting producer on Instagram. I just got a DM that said, we want you, we think you'd be a great uh, asset to a show that we're doing. Um, can we get you on to do an interview? And up until that point, I'd done several like casting interviews because, you know, the goal, once you've built a career and I felt like I had something to offer the world, like I wanted to be on TV, like HGTV is the next step. How do we get there? And did a ton of casting calls, even did several with one of my best friends who's an interior designer out of Sacramento. Like we were pitching ourselves, but always got the, you're great, but you're a little too unique and Mm -hmm. was turned down every time or would be ghosted and wouldn't hear back. Like, so I was a little jaded by that process. And so by the time this producer reached out to me last year, I was like, no, I don't, I don't want anything like, to I'm do good, with it. I'm good yeah, I'm good. <laughs> but he assured me, he's like, no, we think you're perfect. And so I went through this whole process and then COVID happened and didn't even know if the show was going to happen. Didn't even know what show I was auditioning for um, until the end of last summer when I got the call and they were like, you're a finalist. We want you on the show. We want you to come to California. This is for uh, Design Star. We're reviving Design Star, which was HGTV's highest running, highest rated, you know, franchise show. Yeah. And the last time it premiered was 2013. Um, so it had been years since Design Star had come back. So I was excited that the show was coming back, but I was like, I didn't plan on competing for my own show. I I just thought I was going to get my own show, but now you're telling me I have to compete for a show. Mm, mm. So I was not excited about that. (laughs) And then my business was already doing great. So I'm like, I don't know if I want to leave at the peak of my business to go compete for a chance to have my own show. I'm like, this don't, this don't sound ideal at all. But my best friend and my husband were both like, look, you, you're an interior designer and you can have your business for as long as you want it. But How often are you going to get the opportunity to be on TV doing what you do? There you go. So I was like, okay. And I did it. I was gone, had to disappear from the world, from the internet, from clients, everything for five weeks. Mm. I had only set a goal to just make it through the first challenge. I was like, just girl, don't get eliminated first. Like it's going to be real embarrassing for you. (laughs) You Um, But essentially had this mindset of you only have to be better than the worst person just keep keep moving forward like Mm -hmm. I didn't set a goal to win I just wanted to be I wanted to be good enough to make it to each level like that's that's how you make it to the end is just getting to each level and I did and to hear my name called at the end even to the very end I was like they're not gonna call my name but the sigh of relief and the thought that I had accomplished something so great just was so overwhelming. Like, I'm so glad that they edited the show down. Oh, Lord. <laughs> what it was. We want to see the behind the scenes. Car. I was ugly crying, like ugly crying uh, during my acceptance speech. And by the time I finished, everybody was crying because that, that competition was the hardest thing I've ever done. And like I said, my 
my interior design journey has kind of been ordained where things has just things have just fallen into my lap. So I've never really had to work for something or compete for something. Um, I've always just been really good at everything, but to have to compete and win, like that was the first time I put my career on the line, put my whole livelihood on the line, and then to come out on the other side and have achieved this monstrous accomplishment, like it was overwhelming. And I was away from my family for forever, what felt like forever. I know um, you was missing hubby. Oh, honey, honey. So to know. think like I, I sacrificed my time with them and I was like, if nothing else, this is, I'm doing it for them. And then for it to all be worth it in the end, like that, that was the, the sigh at the end, like it was all worth it. And yeah. so now, you know, I got to walk away with my own show and fifty thousand dollars. Oh And like we're literally in pre-production right now. We start shooting here in a couple weeks. And I told them I don't want to show if it's not in Memphis. And Ooh, they agreed. Yes. They okay, agreed. So from Cali to the M. Everybody <laughs> is coming to me. So we're shooting here <sighs> in Memphis this summer. So I'm I'm so excited. Um about what this is going to bring to the city oh of Memphis. God, congratulations. Uh, I am so happy for you and so proud of you. Just even listening to your story, um, you know, being a Black woman in this space and ultimately, you know, achieving this goal. Like, you the best. You hear me? You, you, I, look. you winning, you the best. You got your own show. You hear me? Pop it, pop it. <laughs> now, what's going to be the name of the show? Or you can't tell me yet. So it has an official title. I don't think it's hit the public yet. I don't think they've done the press release yet, Mm -hmm. but I am working with renters here in Memphis. So the network has finally answered the call of a lot of their viewers. Like half of this country is renting, not buying. So where's the rental content, HGTV, where show me something where we're not completely gutting out this space. And so um, they are basically use, utilizing me and my show as the launch pad of rental content for the network. And so I am working with renters, people that have chosen to rent here in Memphis, renting houses or townhomes or whatever, and then making over their spaces so that they feel more like home, um, even if it's just temporary. But it's part docuseries as well following my life after winning design star so you'll get a lot of behind the scenes on what's happening here at home and things that are happening in my career along with um working with rental clients for the show wow congratulations so are you like in the process of filming now that's what's going on we are we are in pre-production now the film crew will be here in a couple weeks like literally a week and a half or so and we'll start oh, filming here in a couple exciting. weeks. So yeah, oh, every day. you already selected your renters that you're going to work with. You lined them up. Yep. You... Yes. <laughs> that's all, that's oh. all happened. So yeah, we're having meetings every day, going through the design process, going through all the Memphis hotspots we're going to be hitting up and all that stuff. So 
That's what's happening now. That is amazing. We're going to see you on TV. We're going to see some of these Memphis folks we know. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I'm so excited. But you know what? Like Memphis is everywhere right now. We're seeing, we're finally seeing some of our faces around, right? Finally, finally, Finally. the world is trying or needs to be catching up to with how amazing the city is. And I wanted to be a part of that too. Like, look at Memphis. You doing it's more than first 48 and all this other mess that people see. Like this city is so bomb. And that's right. all I want the world to know. Wow. Okay. So while you're filming your show, um, pre-production right now, you're going to be filming. What about what about your your own business? Like that's still put on hold for now. Or you got people to do that? You delegate, man. Like, <laughs> you know, it's well, like I am definitely building my team. Um, but I put I put my business on hold while I went to shoot Design Star, and actually came home right before Thanksgiving, and it was just too much to try to. build then so I just stayed on a break um until now so I have a few clients right now but we'll still likely hold off on bringing in more clients until we're done with the show because now I have six clients in my lap for the show we have it's a six episode series so I'm working with them and then once we're done with all the major stuff for the show, I'll open up my waiting list again to my own I'm waiting list. Yes. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. Now, when can we see the show? When when is uh the premiere? I party. I want to we I don't know if they've released that either. Now that I think about it, I have been told a date, but I don't get to say anything until a press release happens. Gotcha. But gotcha. this year. It it will air this year. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I'm gonna be keeping up, honey. Uh, I, I'm gonna be keeping up with you um, to see how everything is progressing. Absolutely, I keep congratulations. <laughs> I'm so, girl, I feel it inside. I'm like so happy for you. Now, Thank you. You know what? I I want you to tell the verbally effective audience. Um, what do you want people to remember about Carmion Hamilton when you are no longer here? What do you want people to know about you? I want people to know that my only mission in life was to be an example and to show people that life can be lived beautifully um, from the small and minute to the major life events everything can have a beautiful uh, purpose. And, you know, I'm all about aesthetics and the pretty things like the cute outfit or the well-designed space, but every aspect of our lives can be lived beautifully, like your cup of coffee in the morning to, you know, spending a little time walking outside, slowing down and appreciating those moments is what life is about, not the major destinations. And that's all I want people to know. Yes, Carmion Hamilton. Let everybody know how they can get in touch with you and keep up with your journey. All your business with HG. Absolutely. Yes, (laughs) yes. So I am on Instagram all day, every day at Carmion Hamilton. Um, All of my platforms are at Carmion Hamilton on Twitter and Facebook. My website is CarmionHamilton.com. That's also where you can read my blog where I talk about everything. Um, But you can, if you're wanting to work with me, uh, there is a work with me page on my website and there's a form you can fill out and you can get in contact with me there. 
but carmionhamilton.com and Carmion Hamilton on all social platforms is how you can find me. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Carmion, for joining me today. You were definitely a treat um, just listening to your entire journey, uh, the ups, the downs, the challenges, the triumphs, and you still moving through. You still, still out here. here. Making still food. Here. Popping your collar, <laughs> popping your ish, and Amen. I applaud everything that you're doing. I'm so proud thank of you. you. You are indeed verbally effective, and thank you once again, Carmion Hamilton. Yes. <laughs>